All right, we're going to get started. Tonight is our last night, last night in this uh, particular uh, set of lessons uh, on love your marriage. And so tonight is the last night. So there's a couple things I wanted to cover. Actually, a couple other things. Can't cover it all. But uh, anyway, we're going to get started and get right into it tonight so that we can, we can go through both of these lessons and do them in the same amount. Of time. We're going to start out talking about the five love languages, love languages, five love languages. I will tell you uh, honestly, first time I ever heard a guy teach all the love languages, I got, yeah, I don't know about this. I, and the guy was a little bit effeminate anyway, and love languages, and I'm looking, and I'm listening, and I'm going, eh, why, why, and I had a hard time getting past him anyway. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, then I started studying it for myself. So, you know, it really makes, it really makes a lot of sense. It really does make a lot of sense. And so we're going to talk about the five love languages. Let me know that when we understand more about each other, it's a whole lot easier to meet each other's needs. And so, um, you know, uh, one of these is in the area of, of the love languages. These, we're going to go to our notes. These five love languages are simply the way a person gives and receives love. Because we don't all give love the same way. We don't all receive love the same way. And the problem is, is that we usually give love the way that we want to receive love. But oftentimes, we give love the way we want to receive love, but the person we're giving the love to, they don't receive love like we do. And so, and so they're not feeling, you know, loved by us, and we're all frustrated because we're giving this out, and they're not responding, they're not accepting it, or it's not doing anything for them. And so we're, everybody's frustrated. And so if we could only understand, there's a difference in how different people uh, receive love. And so if we understand how our spouse receives love and we give love that way, then it's going to be better all the way around. Um, did that make halfway, halfway make sense? Okay. Uh, the way a person feels loved by someone. I uh, Learn to speak the language of love that communicates love to your spouse. Not just to your spouse, but also to your kids, you know, and, and to your parents and to everybody that you love. If you could understand what love language they have, or how they receive love, or what speaks love to them. Uh, if we could, you could understand that, then you'd know how to give that love that they need, and uh, just would help. All right, let, there's five love languages. The first one is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation is the first love language. And by the way, and it's in your notes, most men receive love this way. Not all. Uh, and also I will tell you that you can have more than one love language. We'll talk about that. But there's usually a primary love language. But most men receive love through words of affirmation. So you ladies need to perk up and listen and understand this. Uh, what are words of affirmation? Well, our notes. Words of affirmation are compliments. Compliments. Uh, they're words of appreciation, words of appreciation. Uh, they're encouraging words, encouraging words. Uh, the word encourage uh, actually means to inspire courage. So when you encourage someone, you are actually inspiring courage and positive Affirming words energize a person to do even better. Positive words validate a person's self-worth. So remember that. Second love language is quality time. Quality time. Uh, some people only feel loved by someone if that person is willing to spend some quality time with them. That's how they receive love. That's how they feel love is the fact that you're willing to spend quality time uh, with them. What is quality time? Well, it's togetherness, not just proximity. Togetherness, not just proximity. See, see you can be in the same room with someone and be worlds apart. And especially today with social media. You know, uh, you know, my wife and I and, and uh, 
we'll be sitting in the in 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 the living room and watching television, and we have to thank God for fast forward and rewind. You know what I'm saying? Because we have to do it for both of us. We have to we have to rewind it so I can hear it. <laughs> what they say, <laughs> and I have to. <laughs> rewind it and turn it up real loud. It's already loud to start with, but louder so I can hear it. But we have to rewind it because my wife didn't catch it because she's on social media. And we're in the same room doing the same thing, but we're worlds apart oftentimes. So so quality time uh, is togetherness, not just proximity. Because you can be in the same room with someone and be worlds apart because of television or Facebook, computer, uh, you know, you can be in the same room, but one's reading a book and the other one's not and, and whatever. So quality time uh, is, is spent together, engaged in the other person. Not just, not just sitting side by side but, or face to face, but you're actually engaging with that other person. Uh, quality time includes listening. Listening. And this is why quality time is often a woman's way of receiving love because women like to talk, right? They like to talk. And so uh, we need to understand that. So let me give you some listening hints. Some listening hints. First of all, maintain eye contact. Uh, Rolling of the eyes I would not recommend. (laughs) Maintain eye contact. Have you ever talked to someone? They never looked you in the eye. They never looked at you. They looked above you, you know, at the floor. They never, no. Maintain eye contact. Uh, Don't try to do anything else. While It says while she is speaking here. I guess I was thinking of of women there, and that's probably true. But whoever has uh, quality time as their love language and, and you're listening, Don't try to do anything else while they are speaking, like watch TV or Facebook or whatever. Uh, And then the third one is listen for feelings. Listen for feelings. Did you get, Delia, did you get some notes? Somebody's falling down on the job back there. Come on. Uh, Listen for feelings. Hear their heart. Hear their heart. Don't just listen to the words that they say, but listen for their feelings. Listen to hear their heart. Uh, Here's a big one. Observe body language. Observe body language. Uh, In fact, body language will tell you more than than the words that they're saying. Uh, Body language. Uh, In fact, if you learn to read body language correctly, you can tell when somebody's lying to you or not. So body language is more important even than the words that they're, they're saying. Look for body, look for body language. Um, a clenched fist. Tell you something. <laughs> uh, and not maybe, I'm not talking about just, you know, but I mean just, you know, if they're clenching their fist or uh, trembling hands or shaky voice, uh, tears. Uh, observe, observe body language. And then refuse to interrupt. Refuse to interrupt. You know, someone said that no one would listen to anyone if they knew they weren't going to get to talk next. Someone said the only reason why anybody listens to someone else is because they know their turn is next. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Okay, so... Five love language. The first one is words of affirmation. The second one is quality time. The third one is receiving gifts. Some people uh, receive love uh, by the gifts that they receive. Um, A gift gives you something to hold in your hands. A tangible expression of love. Now, gifts don't have to be expensive just thoughtful. Um, birthday presents, Christmas presents, Valentine's presents, anniversary presents. Hey, let me help you guys out here. Let me help you out. 
uh, how to never forget your, your, your anniversary. Forget it once. <laughs> forget it once. And she won't ever let you forget it. Right, come on, I'm trying to liven things up a little bit, all right? Um, just because of gifts. You know, it's one thing to buy your uh, spouse a Christmas gift. You better. And, 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 and let me help you out here also. Just because she says, let's don't get anything for each other this year, she doesn't mean it. So don't be that dumb. Okay? Um, just because gifts. I mean, she's expecting a gift on her birthday. She's expecting something on Valentine's. She's expecting something at, at Christmas. Expecting something at birthday. But you walk in someday, and it's not her birthday. It's not Valentine's. It's not Christmas. You haven't messed up. You're not trying to make it up. You, it's just just because. Listen, especially if, if, if her love language is receiving gifts, telling you guys it'll be good it's gonna be good read between the lines man I wish I'd been here last Wednesday to do that lesson because there was some good stuff in that lesson and I gave it away to Sean hope he did a good job with it because there was some good stuff there's some stuff I'd have had fun with too uh, hey gifts well thought out um that's important. Gifts well thought out. Um, see, see, the gifts that we choose to give reveal how well we know someone. See, see if you give me a, a, a $50 gift certificate uh, to an Italian restaurant, you don't know me very well. You don't know me very well. Because the last place I want to go is to an Italian restaurant. Okay? Mexican? Let's go. Steak? Let's go. Good burger? Let's go. Now my wife, give her one. Let her take one of her, let her take her daughter or daughter-in-love or one of her girl buddies with her. Give it to me. I automatically know you don't know me very well. All right, number four, the fourth um, love language, the way people, some people receive love is through acts of service. Acts of service. See, some people receive love by what people do for them, what they do for them. Um, one of my wife's love languages is acts of service. Um, you know? That's why I do the dishes. Now, we're supposed to have this agreement where, you know, where she puts them in the dishwasher and I put them up. But for the last long, 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 long time, almost every time, I just, I almost take, I almost take plates out of her head while she's still eating. And I, I put them in and I, and I clean it up and, you know, and I, you know, I keep, and, you know, and I get on to her for, for messing up my clean kitchen, you know. Yeah. So, but. I do the dishes, you know, uh, run the vacuum. Uh, when I do that, I'm telling my wife, I love you. I love you. Because that's what, that's how she, she, she likes that, uh, you know. Uh, and I, I've fallen down on this a little bit, but, you know, when I put gas in her car or get her car serviced or what, I mean, she didn't ever have to get her car serviced. Sometimes her car needs service and doesn't get it. But, uh but it ain't, she ain't doing it, okay? So, uh, but, you know, uh, run errands for her, you know? Uh, this morning, you know, uh, she's supposed to keep a baby, grandbaby, Jeremiah, because uh, Krista was committed and, and Sean was committed, and so Dawn was going to take care of baby. Well, she forgot she had hair appointment. Well, it's hard to get hair appointment, you know, and you don't want just, you know, these women, they know who they want to go to and when they want, and, you know, whatever. And so, you know, uh, Papa had Papa duty this morning. So early this morning, I was up in my office working and getting stuff done. And then, and then when baby came, uh, Papa took care of baby while Mama went 
and got her hair done. You know, you want that said? She said, I love you, baby. I love you, baby. Uh, acts of service. Acts of service. Uh, okay. Acts of service. You got it. Okay. Number five is physical touch. Physical, physical touch. Now, now, some men never touch their wives unless it's in a sexual manner. I'm not talking about this. Doesn't mean anything wrong with that. It certainly isn't. And, and that's a part of it. But, uh, uh, but people who speak the love language of physical touch, they, they, you know, they love to hold hands. Uh, they love to hug. Uh, they're touchy-feely, you know. Um, you know they're the they're the they're the kind that you know if a man has has uh, the love language of physical touch he's the kind of guy that you reach your hand out to shake his hand he grabs you and hugs you um, uh, if you know someone that has uh, the love language of of physical touch if you're a man and it's another man uh, and you know we men we're kind of you know we're kind of different with that thing there than women are, you know. But, uh, you know, what you can do is, you know, find, you know, yours is, I know your love language is physical touch, you know. You know, it's just, hey, man, John, how you doing? Did you have a good day today? You know, know, yeah, but this is okay, right? This is okay. I mean, if you got, you know, it's, you know, I ain't ain't loving on you and hugging on you and all that, but, you know, it's, you know. And uh, I had a man in my church in in Midland. It's way way before I even knew about love languages or whatever, you know. And, but then after I learned about it, I remembered something that he said. His name was Don, Don Swift. He's in heaven now. He's a good friend of mine, and we were pastoring in Midland. And I remember one day he was telling me about, you know, about this usher in, in the church. And, and he said, you know, I said, I just, I just like that guy. You know, he says, you know, every time he comes by, he takes the offering. He doesn't just take the offering, but, you know, he grabs him out the door and gives him a little squeeze, you know. And I was going by, and I'm thinking, okay. Don't do nothing for me, you know what I'm saying? But later I realized, wait a minute, this guy's got the love language of physical touch. And, and, and this guy, you know, evidently he probably did too because we give love the way we want to receive love. And, you know, just that little touch there on the way by, you know, spoke volumes, spoke volumes to him. So it's, it's very, very important. It's really, it's really important that we learn the love language of our, of our spouse, of our, of our kids, you know. Sometimes, you know, we wonder, why are our kids not responding? You know, I'm not nice for our kids, and they're not responding. Well, you're not doing the right thing. You're doing good things, but it ain't the right thing. It ain't the thing that speaks love into them. What you're probably doing is you're loving on them the way you want to be loved, because that's what we do. So we need to learn the love language of our, of our kids. And all, they're not all the same. They're all different. They're all different. And uh, so I'm just getting this. Is that is making sense at all? Makes sense. Okay. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, how, to, how to discover love languages. You say, well, that's all well and good, but how in the world do I know uh, what my love language is? How in the world do I know what my wife or my kids or my best friend, what their love language is so I can speak love to them in their language, so I can love them in a way that, they'll, that it will actually... S- say that I love them and they'll receive it and it'll mean something to them. Well, let me give you uh, uh, five little things. How to discover love languages. First, number one, think through the five love languages. Just went through them, went really quick. I could have been more detailed, but I think you got it. Think through the five love language languages. Which one jumps out at you? Which one jumps out at you? Which one speaks to you? You know? Yeah, that's the way I like to... Well, you know, that's the way I like to be loved. That's the way I receive love. Uh, and again, you can have more than one, but there's pr- usually one that's primary and one that's most important. So think through the five love language and ask yourself which one jumps out at you. Number two, sit down with these notes and talk with your spouse uh, about these five love languages and ask them which of these five best describes the way they feel and receive love. So just sit down with your spouse or sit down with your kids or whatever and, you know, 
The third one is, is trial and error. That's a good way of learning anything, trial and error. You know, A lot of things have been invented because of trial and error, right? Trial and error. Uh, do each of the five and see where they respond best. You know? Uh, you know, actually, you know, I have mine, but none of them are bad, are they? <laughs> They're all pretty good. But there are other, some that speak more than others. But trial and error, so do all five and see where they respond best. Number four, this is, this is ginormous. I don't even know if that's a word. But this is ginormous, okay? Ask your, uh, how are you presently giving love? And how is your, your mate or fiancé or whoever you're trying to determine their love language? How are, how are, how are they presently giving love? Because, because how we give or dispense love is usually how we want to receive love. See, we incorrectly assume that everyone receives and feels love the same way that we do. And then we get upset when they don't respond to our efforts, you know. Number five, this is a big one too. What are you constantly complaining about? What is your mate constantly complaining about? You never tell me you love me, or you never tell me you're proud of me. If they're always complaining and saying that, what is their love language? Words of affirmation. You'll never tell me you love me. You never tell me you're proud of me. You never tell me I do a good job. Well, that tells you something. It tells you that whoever's telling you that is telling you, I need to be loved by words of affirmation. I need to be loved. I receive love when you tell me I look good. You're proud of me. I did a good job. You're glad you married me. You never buy me anything. What are they telling you? What's their love language? Huh? Receiving gifts. Right? You never do anything around this house. You never help me. I have to do everything. If I didn't do it, it wouldn't get done. What's they telling you? They're telling you lazy for one thing. What is their love language? Acts of service. Acts of service. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. That's what they're saying. We're saying, oh, I just love you. And they're getting nothing. Because the dishes are piled high. Or the garage needs to be cleaned out. Or their car needs to be serviced. Does that make sense? These are clues that their love language isn't being spoken. So that was an hour lesson in about 20 minutes or so. So let's move on. All right. How many is good with that? How many got something out of that? Think I can help you? Hopefully it will. All right. I got another hour lesson. I actually have an hour and 15 minute lesson. Let's see if I can do it in 30 minutes. I believe I can do it in 30 minutes. All right, let's get started. The number one cause of divorce is finances. Finances. It's not in-laws. It's not outlaws. It's not sex. It's not affairs. It's not pornography. It's finances. Now, this laps over into every area, but it's finances. Fix the finances, and more often than not, 
you'll fix the marriage. I know that sounds strange, it sounds weird, but it is a documented fact. So let me give you some secrets to financial success. You say, that ought to be in your financial class. It is in my financial class. But if the number one cause of divorce, if the number one problem in most marriages is finances, I think it ought to be in this class too. How many agree? All right. Secrets to financial success. Develop a plan. Develop a plan. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Somebody said, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. See, see, good things don't just happen to us. They don't just happen. Well, you know, good stuff's always happening to him. Good stuff's always happening to her. Good things don't just happen. They happen because we planned our life and then we worked our plan. And, and here's what you need to understand. The amount of money isn't the most important thing. Because I'm going to tell you something. Every person, including me, there are people that make a whole lot less money than we do that are living better than we do. Because they're better money managers than we are. And some of you, I don't know who, but some of you are struggling with finances and it ain't cause the amount and there are other people that have make the same or less than you that are not struggling I'm not saying this to bring condemnation I'm not bringing this to make you feel bad I'm, bring, I'm saying it because it's the truth and we need to see it, hear the truth because the truth will set you free not patting on the back will set you free not saying, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. That don't set anybody free. The truth, and then putting the truth in action, doing something about it. All right? How many still tracking with me, all right? The amount of money isn't the most important thing. The management of our money is. 70% of all Americans are broke. Seven out of ten people. In America, prosperous America, are broke. Not, I should have put necessarily, but not necessarily because they don't make enough money, but because they don't manage their money wisely. I'll never forget back when I was pastoring another church, I'm not even going, because this gets on the internet and all that stuff, and I was pastoring another church in another city. And it was back in the day when we had Sunday night services. It was back in the day that after church on Sunday night, a bunch of people from the church would go out and eat. How many remember those days? And I, and, and I asked this gentleman who always, almost always went out after church, him and his family. I just happened to know he was, well, he was the number one giver in the church, so I assume he was the number one earner in the church. He said, meet you at, and I told the place we're going to meet at. He goes, head down, he said, not this time, Pastor. I said, no. I said, why, how, how come y'all not going? Somebody's sick? Y'all tired? Y'all have a bad... What? I said, Pastor, honestly, I'm financially embarrassed. I go, what? Can't go. Don't have money to go. Okay. Hey, understand, man. See you Wednesday night. I'm thinking, financially embarrassed. You probably make at least half again, if not double, what anybody in this whole in this church makes, and you're financially embarrassed. 
See, it's not, it's not always the amount. See, you, you know, you can make a million dollars, but if you spend a million and five dollars, you're still broke. You look good. <laughs> all right, I, I don't have time to get off on this. All right, let, here, let me help you out here. Write, all, write, write out a budget. Write out a budget. Secrets to financial success. First of all, write out a budget. See, when you live on a budget, you tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And that's what, where most people live. Most Americans today, they don't have a clue where their money goes. And for a lot of them, it's already obligated before they ever get their paycheck. But when you have a budget and you live on a budget, you tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Give every dollar a name on purpose, on paper. This money's for the house. This money's for the car. This money's for, for the utilities. This money's for tithe. This money's for... Give every dollar a name on purpose. See money as an arrow. And aim the arrow in the direction you want it to go. All right, let me help you out here. Pay God first. Pay God first, wherever you are. I, it doesn't matter if you're behind. It doesn't matter if you're upside down. And you, Pay God first. Why? Because you want to get God's blessings on your finances. And you want to get the curse off your finances. And Malachi chapter 3 says... That if you don't tithe, you're under a financial curse. I didn't say that. I'm too nice and too sweet and too easygoing to say anything like that. God said it. God said it. God says, you've robbed me in the tithe and offering, and you are cursed with a curse. So pay God first, tithe and offering, because when you pay your tithe and give your offering, then you get under God's blessings. The windows of heaven are opened over your life. That's what Malachi 3 says. But if you don't tithe, then Malachi 3 says you are under a financial curse. So, so pay God first, get God's blessings on your finances, and get the curse off your finances. Second thing you need to do is pay yourself second. Pay yourself second. Why do you do all the work and everybody else gets all the money? Doesn't seem fair, does it? You're the one that gets up at the crack of dawn. You're the one that has to hear the alarm clock five, six days a week. You're the one that has to put in the time. You're the one with the aching back. You're the one with the stress. You're the one that's got the the terrible boss you got to put up with. Why do you do all the work, but everybody else gets all the money? So after you pay God, pay yourself. Pay God a minimum of 10%, 15%, 10% five 5% offering, whatever. Pay God first, then pay yourself second, 10 to 15%. Then thirdly, pay your bills. And live on less than you make. See, financial success, it doesn't, it's not brain surgery. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to succeed and to excel in the area of finances. All you have to do to succeed in finance, in area of finances, it's as easy as honoring God first, living on less than you make, Taking what's left over and save and invest wisely over a long period of time. And if you'll just do those three things, you'll be financially successful. See, back to our notes. Planning, 
Planning is bringing the future into the present so you can do something about it now. Say, well, I can't do anything about the future. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can design your future. I'm not saying it's a perfect thing and every, you know, everything will work out exactly the way you plan it. But I'm telling you that planning is bringing the future into the present so that you can do something about it now. A plan is a photo of your future. A plan is a photo of your future. What do you want your future to look like? Decide what you want your future to look like, then develop a plan to make it happen. Let's say you want to be a doctor. Are you going to be a doctor just because you want to be a doctor? Are you going to be a doctor just because, man, that'd be cool to be a doctor. Be called doctor. Be called doc. Hey, doc. What's up, doc? Hey, doc. How's it going, doc? That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? How do you get to be a doctor? You've got to make a plan, don't you? And your plan says, you know what, first of all, I better graduate high school. <laughs> and I better graduate at the top of my class because not just everybody can get in those doctor schools. Right? So I better get on the very top of my class. I, I, better, I better decide way back here, hadn't I? I bet, you know. And then I better, you know, I better get in the right schools. And, you know, I got I to gotta figure out a way to pay for all this, you know. Develop a plan. Um, decide what your future, what you want your future to look like. Then, then develop a plan to make it happen. Um, Hey, here's something that'll help you. Take a week and record your spending. Take a week and record your spending. Write down every single dollar you spend that week. Every dollar. Oh, it's just $5. That don't matter. Oh, it's just $3. That don't matter. Oh, it's just $10. That don't Well, if it was only one $5, it wouldn't matter. If it was only one $10, it wouldn't matter. But they add up, don't they? Take a week and record your spending. Write down every single dollar you spend. And you will quickly see where you are overspending. And all of us are overspending in some area. And if you'll, if you'll, if you'll record every single dollar that you're spending, then you'll see where your money's going. And, and, and some of you will be amazed shocked at where your money is going because everyone has a hole in their pocket had a friend of mine who said he was walking out to his car and he said uh, change started falling out of his pocket and down his pant leg and onto the ground so he bent down and he picked up all of his change and what did he do he put it back in his pocket, and what happened? It fell out again. And that's what a lot of people do over and over and over and over and over. There's holes in, everybody's got holes in their pockets. Every one of us have, have holes in our pocket. It might be Starbucks. It might be Walmart. It might be the golf course. It might be, uh, uh, where? Home Depot. Home Depot. If you'll write down every dollar you spend for the next week, you'll find out where your holes are. You'll find out where the money's going. I'm going to tell you something. You have, you have money that you know not of. You have money you don't think you have. You have more money than you think you have. The problem is not the amount. The problem is the hole in the pocket. You need to figure out where those holes are and stop up those holes. And guess what happens when you stop up those holes? Everybody dig really, really quick. I need to do this really, really fast. You got a $5 bill? How many got a $5 bill? Nobody carries money anymore. Grab one quickly, quickly, quickly. Put it, pull it out. 
Give me your $5 bill. Everybody, come on. Sure, come on, help me out up there. Don't expect everybody else to do it. Come on. You, got, you ain't got a $5 bill? Your wife won't give you a $5 bill? Come on. Hurry, 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 hurry. Hurry, Kenny. Come on. Hurry, hurry. I need help. I need help. Help, help, help. I need $5 bill. $5. You got $5? Come on, man. You got a $5 bill? You don't have any dollars? You got a $5 bill? $5 bill? Come on. Hurry. Hurry. We're gonna, if, if I'm late today, it's because you didn't help me out here. You got a $5 bill? $5 bill? Rick, did you already give me one? You ain't got one? You ain't got one? You ain't got one? You guys just don't trust me. You got one? Come on. Give me one. Come on. You ain't got a $5 bill? Huh? You got a $5 bill? You got a $5 bill? You got a five dollar. You didn't get a five dollar bill. You got a five dollar bill. Five dollar bill. Five dollar bill. Okay. All right. All right. See, here's what happens. Here's what happens. And I wish everybody had a five dollar bill. But here's what happens. Is you know we just go to Starbucks and we give them five dollars for our coffee. You know it's four bucks. You know it's not Starbucks. It's four bucks. But now it's five bucks. You know so we don't think there's anything. No big deal. So you know it's just five dollars. It's only five dollars. You know we go over here and they're selling candy over here. We should give them five dollars. No big deal. It's just five dollars. And we go over here, and, you know, here's, this is just, it's just $5, you know, and the kid just wants $5, you know, and, and the Girl Scout cookie, and they just want $5, and, you know, it's just $5, and it's no big deal, and we're just, you know, it's no big, it's only $5. Yeah, it's only $5, but look here, it's 5 10 15 20 25 30 35 bucks. I mean, know that, you know, $5 ain't much, but, and 35 ain't a whole lot, but it's quite a bit, right? It's quite a bit, you know? And if everybody had a five-hour bill, I could have collected 100 bucks today. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we do. And it is 100 bucks for most people. They think it's only $5, but it's not $5. It's five here, five there, 10 there, 10 there. And all of a sudden, you, you, all of a sudden you put it all up, and you got 100 bucks there. you got 150 bucks there. That's just flittered away here, there, and yon. That could be put on a bill or could be put away. could be put in an emergency fund. How many know what I'm talking about? Ricky, find out who in the world had these $5 and give them back to him. Okay, raise your hand if you had a $5 bill. And no, and no lying, no lying, all right? Okay. All right. All right, kind of, a, kind of an eye-opener, right? All right, let me zoom back to me, and we'll keep going, or otherwise I'm going to be late, okay? And I want to get done with this, okay? Uh, everyone has a hole in their pocket. Discover where the hole is so you can sew it up. Rick, it's my show, please. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, discover where the hole is so you can sew it up. And then redirect that money. Redirect that money. Here's another tip. Use the envelope system. How many is familiar with the envelope system? Use the envelope system. What is the envelope system? Well, the envelope system is to, when you get paid, is to, is to cash your check and get, and get cash money. And then get different envelopes. One, offer, one envelope would be grocery. Put whatever it takes for your grocery. Put cash in there, you know, um, Clothing, you know, just whatever, you know, just put it instead of, see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Who's got a, I don't even have my wallet. Mark, you got a credit card on you? Um, Thank you, man. I appreciate that. (laughs) Did you know that if you use cash money, you'll spend 25% less? It's a documented fact, 25% less. There's something psychological about money. There's something psychological about, put, you know, $5 ain't much, but I'm sitting at the grocery line, and all of a sudden I've got to fork out $200 cash money. I'm putting some stuff back out of that cart, you know. Here's the problem. The problem is this little card right here, this little card right here. Because you know what? If I, go to, if I go to Starbucks and I order me a $4 drink, which I don't, I go to Starbucks, but it's $1.80 for a tall cup of coffee, okay? I just, I just like coffee. I don't like all the frou-frou stuff. So, uh, but, uh, and usually I, got some, I, usually I go there with a gift card. Anyway, that's another story. But anyway, I go to Starbucks and I get, and I get my drink and it's $4. Well, you know what it is? It ain't $4. It's just a swipe of a card, right? Just a swipe. It don't, it's $4. I go to the grocery store, and I load my basket up really high for a family of five, you know. And how, many, how much is that probably? 300 bucks maybe? Yeah. $300. $300 worth of groceries. But you know what? It ain't $300. It ain't $300. It's just a swipe. It's the same swipe as the $4 one was. I go to Home Depot, and I get me some new toys, some new tools, there I mean. Go, new tools, you know. And, but it's, you know, and it's, and, you know, and it's, it's $172. But it's not $172. It's just a swipe. It's the same swipe as the $4 was at Starbucks. It's a little bit different when you've got to fork out $172 at Home Depot for a tool you probably uh, don't even need and probably going to use one time. And if you're going to just use it one time, then just borrow it from somebody that's got it already, all right? 
but make sure and take care of it and make sure and return it the same way you got it, all right? That's another teaching. All right, come on, let's move on. How many know that makes a lot of sense? It makes a lot of sense. Um, People who use cash, it's in your notes, people who use cash spend 25% less, all right? All right, let me give you some help here. Your rent or house payment should not exceed 25% of your combined, if you're married, of your combined take-home pay, not including overtime or bonuses. Your rent or house payment should not exceed 25% of your combined take-home pay. Now, I will bend and go as much as 29%. If it's up to 30%, you need to have a garage sale. And I'm not talking about putting some junk in the garage and selling it. I'm talking about selling the garage and the house that's attached to it because your house poor. You got too much house. You can't afford that house. You either have to get a raise or you got to get a new house because if you don't, you're not going to make it. This is documented stuff, okay? Not just Benson stuff. This is documented stuff. Okay, you say, why didn't it include my overtime? Well, what's going to happen if you set your budget up and you buy your house based on your overtime? All of a sudden, things go south and they take your overtime away. Well, you based it on, well, you know, every year we get a Christmas bonus of X amount of dollars. And so I can, no, don't figure that. Why not? Well, you know what? Things may, you're, you might get a new boss. Your company may be swallowed up by another and they don't give Christmas bonuses. Okay. So, so your rent or your house payment should not exceed 25% of your combined take-home pay. Say take-home pay. All right, here's something else here. The sum total of all vehicles, every, where the wheels go round and round, you know. The sum total of all vehicles, cars, trucks, motorcycles, anything with wheels that go round and round. The sum total of all your vehicles should not exceed one half of your regular annual take-home pay. Example, take-home pay $40,000. Combined worth of all vehicles should not exceed $20,000. If it does, you got too much vehicle, Okay. Got too much vehicle. Okay. All right, here, turn it over now. We're, we're going on the back now, okay? We're going to have to hurry here. Make a promise to each other. If you're married, make a promise to each other to never. Say never. never. Say it like you mean it. Never. Make a promise to each other to never go into debt, and write this in, except for a house. Okay? I'm going to let you go in debt for a house. That's all. See, see, if finances is the number one cause of divorce, why would you want to place yourself in this situation? Why would you want to flirt with the fact of problems, possible divorce? Here's something else. Decide on an amount of money that each spouse can spend without consulting the other. Decide on an amount of money that each spouse can spend without consulting the other. Shouldn't have to call your wife and ask her for permission to buy, uh, you know, a $4 Starbucks, okay? Now, first of all, if you're broke, you shouldn't be in there. But anyway, that's another, that's something else we'll talk about. But there's an amount. What is that amount? What is that amount? Remember, this is a team effort. And do not use credit. If you have credit cards, you need to have a plastectomy. All right. Ask yourself these questions. There's some really, really good questions. This will help you. Really good questions. Ask yourself these questions. First of all, ask yourself, as a couple, ask yourself, what are our financial priorities? What are our financial priorities? And if you're not married and you're thinking about getting married, these are really good questions to ask. What are our financial priorities? Here's an easier way to uh, to ask, and that is, what do we want to do with our money? Hey, baby, what do we want to do with our money? Do we want to eat it? Is that what we want to do with our money? We want to eat it? Do we want to live in it? Is that what we want to do with our money? We want to live in it? We want to, what do we want to do with our money, baby? Do we want, to, we want to play with it? Is that what we want to do with our money? We want to party 
We want to play? That's what we want to do with our money? Is that what we want to do? What do we want to do with our money? Do we want to give it? Is that what we want to do? We want to give it? What do we want to do with our money? Do we want to invest it for a secure future? What do we want to do with our money? Good question, huh? Good question. Here's a really good question. What, especially if you're, in, if you're in financial trouble, what could we do if we weren't financially strapped? That's a motivator. What could we, what could we do? And then just start thinking and dreaming. What? Man, what could we do if we were out of debt? What could we do if we were debt-free? What could we do? And then ask yourself this question. What are some of the negative things that happen to financially stressed couples? What are some of the negative things that happen to financially stressed couples? Well, let me just help you answer that. They argue. And they accuse each other. And they stop having fun. And because they're arguing and because they're accusing each other and because they stop having fun, they stop having sex. Kind of hard to have sex when you're mad. See what I told you all ago when I said finance is the number one cause of divorce? No, it ain't because I'm not having sex. Well, you're not having sex because you're fighting, and you're fighting over money. And if you weren't fighting over money, you wouldn't be fighting. And if you weren't fighting, you'd be having sex. Hello? Good stuff. Here's a good question. What are some of the positive things about financially secure people? Well, they're happier, they're less stressed, they give more, they go more, they do more. Wow, here's a really good question to ask, and that is, am I willing to pay the price for financial freedom? Because there's a price to be paid for financial freedom. And if you're in trouble financially, there's a price to be paid to get out of your financial mess. Because you didn't get in your financial mess overnight and you're not going to get out of your financial mess overnight. You can. Hey, here's some, good, here's some good wisdom. If you're in a hole, stop digging and build yourself a ladder. Stop digging the, the hole di deeper. Instead, build a ladder and climb out. All right, let me give you some practical financial tips. Got to hurry, 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 hurry. Some, financial, some practical financial tips. First of all, develop an emergency fund. A baby step is $1,000. Gather $1,000. Have a garage sale. Do something. Take on a, you know, uh, deliver pizzas on Friday night. Ricky, you did that for years to put your kids through Christian school, didn't you? Five years, yeah. Every Friday night, every Saturday night, Ricky was out peddling pizzas. Wasn't too good to do it. I commend you for it. Don't have to do that anymore, do you? It's awesome, but you're glad you did. Yeah, peddle some pizza. Whatever you have to do to get that $1,000 emergency fund. And then, and then after you do that, do your best to get three to six months of income tucked away. Because here's the thing. Emergencies will come. They will come. You need an Why do I need an emergency Why do I need an emergency fund? Because emergencies are going to come. The tires are going to wear out. The car is going to break down. The kids are going to get sick. They're going to need medicine. They're going to need to go to the ER. You might lose your job. Aren't you glad you came tonight to get so encouraged by me? But it's called life, and it happens to everybody. It happens. You might have a fire, huh, Joe? Didn't think it ever happened to you, did you? It happened, didn't it? It happens. Life happens. It happens to everybody. It happens in different ways to different people, but it happens. But here's the good thing is, and that is, if you've got an emergency fund in place and life happens to you, you know, it still happened, but man, it's a whole lot easier. A whole lot easier. Here's something. If you can't pay cash for it, don't buy it until you can, excluding your house. 
Decide that there is nothing. Say nothing. Decide that there is nothing you want more than to be debt free. Do you want that new car? Sure do. Man, it's shiny. Man, it sparkles. Man, that smell of that new car. Yeah. But do I want that new car more than I want to be out of debt? Obviously you do. Decide. Decide. There ain't nothing I want more than to be debt free. There ain't nothing I want more than to be stress free. Decide today that you're not going to bring financial stress into your marriage. Love your marriage more than you love things. Man, that's good. And don't believe Satan's lie. Because things do not provide happiness. If they did, you'd already be happy. Because you already have those things you said yesterday. If I had them tomorrow, I'd be happy. Well, you got them. Today's tomorrow. You're still not happy. What does that say? That means things don't bring happiness. You know, I looked up the word thing in the dictionary one time, and one of the definitions for the word thing is an object without life. And most people are giving up their life in order to get objects that won't bring life. That's an eye-opener. A thing is an object without life. Don't believe Satan's lie. Things do not provide happiness. Things will never satisfy. Proverbs 27 and 20 says says that uh, the eyes of man are never satisfied. The eyes of man are never satisfied. You know? You go and you wheel and you deal and you buy that brand new car and you drive out out of that lot on the, out of that, with that man, you're so happy, you're so excited, man, you're driving that car, and you're so happy with that brand new car you're driving, and it's just awesome, and then all of a sudden, someone pulls up to you with the same make and model of car you got, you say, I didn't see it in blue, wow! I didn't see it in blue. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The only thing you want is what you don't have. That's all you want is what you don't have. Come on. And don't get caught up in the American dream. Because the American dream can easily become a nightmare. I'll never forget true story. I was preaching a meeting in East Texas. A youth pastor picked me up from the airport, in the church van. He said, hey, before I take you to the hotel, I need to run by my house and tell my wife something. I said, okay. We drive by his house, and outside of this youth pastor's house is this shiny new car. I mean, it is gorgeous. It is a beautiful car. And I say, I'm not going to call his name. I say, hey, man, that is, is that your car? Yeah. I said, man, that is a beautiful car. He said, I hate it. I said, you hate it? How could you hate that car? That car is beautiful, man. He said, because now we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. Young couple bought a new house and a new car. Bought a new house, new car. Wife said to her husband, said, honey, where are we going on vacation this year? He said, vacation? Vacation? I'll tell you what vacation is going to be. He said, we're going to stand on the front porch and we're going to look at our new car. And then when we get tired of standing on the front porch and looking at our new car, we're going to sit in our new car and we're going to look at our new house. We can't go on vacation. Don't, don't buy into the American dream. The American dream can easily become a nightmare. Don't try to keep up with the average American because the average American is broken in debt. Who wants to be average? I'm going to help you with these, and I'm done. I promise you. I'm just going to give you that because, you know, what are these empty blanks? Use coupons and look for bargains. Say, only poor people use coupons. No smart people use coupons. Sam Walton didn't drive around a brand-new car. Sam Walton could have bought the car lot.
Poor people aren't bargain hunters. Smart people are bargain hunters. It's also called being a good steward. Use coupons. If you don't know how to do that, ask Trina Anderson. Trina Anderson? Trina Anderson? I've seen her. I've seen her post where she's got $200 worth of stuff laid out, and they paid her $5 to get it. They paid her to take it. Use coupons. Look for bargains. Don't expect, and here, here's, and nobody probably even, but I, I do this for marriage counseling or, or premarital counseling for young couples, but don't expect to start out with what your parents have. It took them many years to get where they are. All right, benefits of financial success. Just going to give them to you and then we're done. First of all, less stress in the marriage. And then the ability to give more. And this next one, I love options. Most people don't have options. They don't have options. Financial success will give you options. Here's the next one, security. Security, which is a major, major need of a woman. Major need. Security. And then finally, gives you the opportunity to go places, do things, enjoy life. Father, thank you for these lessons tonight. I hope that they will be a blessing. God, I pray that we will not only be hearers, but we will also be doers. Help us to put these things into practice in our life so that our life can be better and be more pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.